Welcome back to Crimes from the East. We have Katie with us today and we're doing part two of the Sheena Bora murder case. And I hope everyone's been excited or at least intrigued by what happens ahead in the case. And let's say hi to Katie first before I give you a little recap. Hi, Katie. Hello. I am ready. I am ready for this part two. You've left me hanging. You're like, oh, no, that's it for today. Like, I'm ready. All right. So let's jump right into it. Got my snacks. So far, what we've seen is Indrani's tumultuous and very mysterious, questionable past. She left her kids in Guwahati with her parents she ran through a second marriage. Yeah. In a decade, she moved to Mumbai. She found Peter. She calls Sheena and her son Mikhail over. Sheena is trying to establish herself as a young adult with a job and everything in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Trying to avoid the wrath of Indrani, really, because now Sheena is in love with Peter's son, Rahul. And the two seem to be very close. Yeah, and she's trying to break him up, right? Yeah, and Indrani just won't have it. She can't stand the thought of Sheena and Rahul getting together. Are you trying to figure out why that is? Because she's a narcissist. Ego. For some reason, I think Indrani was under the impression that if Sheena marries Rahul, more of the property would go into her name or something. I, I can't figure it out, but whatever was her reasoning. She was set on breaking this couple apart. And so where we left off was when, out of the blue... Indrani invites Sheena out to dinner. And this is in 2012. And I totally forgot to mention this in uh, last week's episode, but the main source of all the information in this episode was a book written by Manish Pachuli. It's called The Sheena Bora Case. It's available on Amazon and on Kindle and wherever you generally buy books. For those in India, I'm sure you can find it in bookstores as well. This book is pretty good. It has a lot of insider information and a lot more stuff than you will generally find in the news articles because the news articles all skim right off the top. Yeah. Manish Patchouli seems to have done a deep dive into all the different characters in the story, their backstories, and the nitty-gritty of this whole case. So check out the book. Now, who is she? Does she know the family? Oh, Manish Patchouli is a guy. (laughs) I am so sorry. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's 10 a.m. It's been a whole day. This is where we're at. It's fair. I don't expect you to know the genders of Indian names. No one can know. So Manish Patchouli is a guy and he is a journalist and a well-known writer. So he definitely has contacts on the inside. Let's get into the dinner. Now, Indrani was being very strange to Sheena. All of a sudden, she had interest in Sheena's future. And she wanted to help Sheena get her MBA in London and pay for the whole thing, which is, of course, the carrot that she dangles in front of anyone um, Mm -hmm. that she wants to control. Money. Money. And she asked Sheena to go out to dinner with her. Sheena's back in Mumbai because she got a job offer that her mom had set up for her. Mm -hmm. Now, does she know her mom set it up for her? I'm not sure about that. It doesn't say, but I don't think she would be surprised because Indrani had a huge contract through her INX services company with Reliance. Mm -hmm. So she worked with them hand in glove for years and she had contacts all over the place. So it's not surprising that she got Sheena a job in there. Did the guy's son that she was seeing, did he come back to Mumbai with her? Yes. Mm, Okay, so they're both there. So both Rahul and Sheena... Are in okay. Mumbai. Mm-hmm. 
And Sheena's job is going great. She's doing good. She's back on her feet. You know, she's thinking about her future. All right, so the mom's being creepy nice. Not creepy. Uncharacteristically nice. Sheena is not stupid, right? She knows this is out of the blue. Something's weird. Something's going on. And with much hesitation and apprehension, she still agrees to go have dinner in the, with Indrani and discuss these MBA plans because... That's the stake, man. I know. I mean, she may need her help, but also I think in the corner of her mind and at the bottom of her heart, that's still her mother. I know, but like when you have narcissistic parents, at some point you have to cut it out. Not cut it out, but cut them out. Ugh, I just uh, I have issues. I understand, but you see, when you've grown up with them, it's different. Yeah, no, it's hard. You've seen their tricks, you've seen their manipulation, and you're wary of them, and you understand them, and you've grown sick of it over time. Remember, Sheena has only spent six years with Indrani at this point. Yeah, but she was a bad mother before then. But she didn't know her. She left when Sheena was like two or three years old, so she doesn't remember. Yeah, she left. So, like, Sheena's like, this woman abandoned me. Like, I can't give her a good impression of her. And then, for six years, she was a narcissist and gosh-awful to her. Now, she's being uncharacteristically nice. I just feel like, at some point, when Sheena left Mumbai, she should have just cut her out. At some point, it is okay for your mental health, and it is okay for you to cut out family members or friends who are toxic, narcissistic people and make your life horrible. She had done that. So after the whole Bangalore incident, when uh, Indrani set her up with her an abusive ex-boyfriend, Sheena did cut off. She didn't talk to Indrani for months. It had been months. And she tried to get away from it all. But then Indrani is smart, right? She came back with the honey talk and the I'll pay for your MBA bit, which unfortunately Sheena fell for. Ah, poor Sheena. It was April 10th, 2012. They met in Mumbai and they went out for dinner at Taj Land's End. Indrani was a different person on this night. She laughed and asked Sheena about her life, her new job. They talked about the university that Sheena would possibly go to study in. And it was all very puzzling, but this was something she had always wanted from her mother, right? A loving, caring parent. That makes it creepier. Anytime I'm talking to like mean people or very self-absorbed people and then they are suddenly super nice, it's it's creepy. Mm. It is creepy. And I'm like, ooh. It might just be her naivete, right? It might just be Sheena's naivete. She's grown up in, in Guwahati. Maybe it's a nicer place. Everyone knows everyone and they're everyone's nice to each other. This is Mumbai. No, no, that's fair. It's just I personally it's just I get very creeped out. I'm like, oh, why are you being so nice? Oh no. In hindsight, it does appear like, no, don't do it. The loneliness and the longing for affection that she harbored all through her childhood probably came flooding back. And in those few happy moments, she felt almost as if she finally had a chance of forging a relationship with her estranged mother. As they parted after dinner, they shared a hug and promised to meet again because Indrani wasn't living in India at this point. INX Media had gone bust when they embezzled that money and sold off the company. They moved to UK after that to kind of get away from it all. Oh my gosh. Because they could possibly be charged in some kind of financial fraud, right? They wanted to get out of the country. So they moved to Bristol in London. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about 
Sheena's brother, Mikhail. Mm -hmm. Remember, we haven't talked about him at all in this whole bit. Now, this poor kid, well, of course, he's not a kid, but Sheena's younger brother went through a lot of shit in his own life. Before we get into the final days of Sheena's life, let's take a look at what's been happening with Mikhail. Since the age of 16, Mikhail had been shuttled around by Indrani to complete his education in various cities like Bengaluru and Pune and whatnot. And understandably, having had such a shaky past and a controlling figure like Indrani in his life made him unsure of his next step. And he wasn't able to build a very strong foundation for himself as a young adult. He was very much dependent on the financial assistance of his mother at that time. Of course, as a 16-year-old, no one has their own funds. She was controlling him. She would send him like, I think, 1,500 rupees a month, which is nothing. I was about to ask. I'm like, ooh, my gosh, how much is that? $20. She sent $20 a month to live off of? Yes, $20. 1,500 rupees is not enough to even buy basic things for yourself. Of course, he was living in residential schools and he had everything he needed. But if you want to buy anything, you want to buy a book, a pencil, whatever, you're going to run out of 1500 bucks in like a week. Yeah, that's not even enough to get a water a day. Like if you needed to buy a water or if you needed to buy toiletries. Like, oh my gosh, no, that's awful. It's crazy. So he was always on the back foot. Always on the back foot. Indrani had been using her son to threaten and coerce Sheena into breaking up with Rahul. So she would make Mikhail send Sheena messages, like asking her to break it off, or she would be disinherited from the properties. Wait, send messages how? They didn't have each other's number. So she would send Mikhail a new number and be like, this is Sheena's number? Send her a so-and-so message. She would make him send these messages saying, tell her if she doesn't break up with Rahul, she won't get any of the property in her inheritance and I will cut off financial support to your grandparents. Tell her all of this. Now, coming from Indrani, maybe Sheena won't listen, but coming from Mikhail, it's different, right? So she was using Mikhail. I'm still confused on like, so like, wait, does that mean Sheena had like a million numbers? Was she constantly getting a new phone number? Probably, yeah. She was like shuttling all kinds of phone numbers between the two of them. That's so confusing. I wouldn't even know my own number. I'd be like, I don't know. What month is it? I have it written down. Like, I don't know my number. Like, that's, oh my gosh, that's crazy. She's a very smart woman. So I wouldn't put it past her to be that level of controlling. This isn't the extent of Indrani's web of evil. This is nothing. Oh my gosh. In 2006, when Mikhail was just 16, remember they had just met maybe not even a year ago, Indrani alleged that in a marijuana-induced psychosis, Mikhail had attacked his school principal. Okay? <laughs> like in reefer madness, turning into zombies attacking people. That's, that's what the six whole marijuanas do to you. Oh my gosh. So dangerous. Now, what had actually happened, as told by Mikhail to the CBI, CBI is the Central Bureau of Investigation. It's a federal agency in India which investigates cases that are of national importance or cases where the police are not able to do their job. Kind of like when FBI steps in. 
<laughs> I'm only laughing because um the we have a lot of uh club members for the association I work for. We have a lot of club members in India. It's one of our largest oh. markets. Mm-hmm. And we have an international magazine that we sell that like goes out to every member and it is called CBI. <laughs> like it is the Club Business International. <laughs> so when you were like there's CBI, I'm like, "Oh my God, I wonder if our marketing team knows that. Like, are they aware that we're just sending people a giant magazine that says CBI on it? Like, That is hilarious. Yeah, everyone in India knows CBI. So, yeah. So Mikhail told what I'm going to tell you. Mikhail told the CBI in his uh, deposition to them. So he says, Indrani sent him an air ticket to come to Mumbai. He was in Bengaluru. So she sent him a ticket to come to Mumbai where he was put up at a hotel. And she sent over a friend. She called him a client and a friend and sent over Sanjay Kanna to meet Mikhail at the hotel. Sanjay Kanna is her ex-husband, Vidhi's father. Okay. Yes. So she would manipulate Sanjay Kanna to do all her, you know, lackey jobs that she didn't want anyone else to know about. Now, what she used as a weapon against him was her daughter. She would threaten to cut off contact with Vidhi. What she asked Sanjay Kanna to do with Mikhail is that the two of them got drunk for hours. An under a 16-year-old Mikhail was encouraged by Kanna to do tequila shots till he eventually blacked out. Oh, and that's why he beat up the principal? No, no, no. Wait, listen. When Mikhail woke up, he found himself in a strange place, dressed in brown scrubs, and his hands were tied together. When he walked around, he saw that he was at a hospital in a confined room. Now, Indrani, with the help of a former policeman, Suhail Buddha, had gotten Mikhail admitted to a mental health facility at the Masina Hospital in Mumbai where he was given rigorous treatment for his marijuana addiction and treated with powerful antipsychotics. So this is what happened. My gosh. That is so messed up. Can you even believe this? I can't believe my eyes. What am I reading? This sounds like a some kind of a fiction thriller novel. It sounds awful. Like, what kind of mom can do that? What kind of person can do it? Have you watched the movie Unsane? Unsane? Yeah. Oh. What is that? Yeah, it is a horrific movie. It shows the horror of being in a situation like this where you cannot prove your own sanity and you are no longer in control of your life. You have no agency and an external guardian takes all of your life decisions, including... The one keeping you in that facility. That's insane. It's a little bit like uh, the Britney Spears conservatorship. That is Enforced on her by her dad, like her shit father. It's a little bit like that. So that's what was happening to Mikhail. He had no control over his life anymore. Now, after a two-month stay at that hospital, Mikhail was sent to Pune at the Chaitanya Rehab Center for a further nine months. Of rehab. Have you ever heard of such an extended treatment for freaking weed? And it wasn't even weed. He wasn't even on weed. He wasn't even smoking. Like, I, oh my God. 
we can clearly see Indrani's attempt to create a narrative of an unpredictable and aggressive youngster whom she could use in the future to either discredit or entrap in her nefarious future plans. What it reminds me of is how poachers or trappers break the spirit of an animal to domesticate them. Dude, my spirit is being broken by this whole chaotic story. Like, I just, the amount of effort it had to take for this woman to do this, like, it's just, this is exhausting. I feel so bad for Mikhail. He was so young. He was so young. This is torture. After rehab, Mikhail was placed by Indrani in Delhi, which is in the north of India, where he studied further and started to work over the next few years. She has already put him through the ringer for almost a whole year. And now he knows not to question her. Now he knows to do exactly what she says or else. And he knows what she's capable of. That's messed up. He only returned to Mumbai later in April of 2012 when Indrani called him out of the blue and asked him to fly over ASAP for an urgent matter. So now let's get back to Sheena and Indrani's dinner in April 2012. The second one, night two, date number two. Mm-hmm. At the second dinner, Indrani calls her and says, before we go to dinner, let's meet at another store called Amarsan's, which sells all kinds of desi regalia, so jewelry and outfits and all that kind of stuff for traditional Indian occasions. Indrani calls her to Amarsan's because she says she wants to buy a diamond ring and a sari for Sheena as an engagement present. Oh, they're engaged. Oh, I forgot. As Rahul dropped off a nervous but optimistic Sheena at Emerson's, he saw Indrani in a car outside the store. Driving the car was Peter's faithful driver, Shyamwar Rai. So Rahul knew him because that's his father's old driver, Shyamwar Rai. Right. He's like, you've driven me around. I know you. Standing outside the car smoking was a man Rahul didn't really know much of, but he looked kind of familiar. We know that that was Sanjay Kanna, Indrani's ex-husband, who was also there for some reason. No! It's starting to sound a bit creepy, right? It was already creepy! Indrani greeted Sheena with a warm hug and offered her some water to drink, which Sheena innocently took a few sips of. No prizes for guessing that this water had been laced with very powerful sedatives. And this is common. Like, if you meet someone in India, they will offer you water. This is very common. I thought you meant this is common. People often drug each other with sedatives. Like, that's, that's not the problem. So the duo kept busy shopping for saris while the sedative was coursing through Sheena's body. After 30 minutes, they finished shopping and came back to the car. Sheena wasn't too taken aback on seeing Sanjay Kanna because she knew him. She knew that this is Vidhi's father. Indrani asked the driver, Rai, to drive towards Pali Hill. Pali Hill is an ultra-posh neighborhood in Mumbai, which a lot of Bollywood celebs call home. So you can imagine, it's the creme de la creme Mm. in terms of Mumbai real estate. Now, as per Indrani, Sheena had asked Indrani for a three-bedroom flat in Pali Hill and a car. Okay, Indrani says this. Idrani is saying her daughter, Sheena, demanded a house and car. 
in this posh neighborhood? Yes. Is this because Sheena had discovered the offshore accounts? Yeah. Yes, that's what Indrani says. So she's like, oh, man, she found out I was illegally using her name. And then she was like demanding a house. Like, could you believe that she demanded that? Like, oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. So this was apparently in exchange for releasing the funds in the Singapore account in Sheena's name. This, of course, is based on reports and allegations, and I can't substantiate this any further. So apologies for that. Sheena demanded an apartment, maybe, possibly, who knows. And Indrani, what, what, like, said no? Or was she like, oh, then I did. I gave her this so she would release the funds. So that's why she was driving around in the Pali area trying to show her, oh, you want a house here? No problem. I'll get you a house here. How did Sheena find out about the offshore accounts? I didn't find that mentioned anywhere. I'm just going to guess here. This is my personal speculation. Indrani and Peter possibly wanted to access that account and move all that money. And they can't do that without Sheena. Mm. And I think Sheena refused because Indrani isn't playing fair with her, right? She's treating her like shit. So Sheena probably said, I'm not helping you. Okay, so they're driving around the posh place because Indrani's like, all right, I will get you a house here for you to release those funds. Let's pick one. Yeah. Got it. Okay, I thought she was just like, huh, I'm going to rub salt in the wound. But okay, all right, so they're house shopping. Again, this is another carrot Yeah, she's dangling in front of Sheena. Got it. As they're driving around the Pali Hill area, Sheena started to slur her words and was completely knocked out unconscious. Kanna, who was in the front of the car, now gets out and sits in the back of the car. The driver, Rai, he turns around, he gets a rag from the front of the car and stuffs Sheena's mouth with that rag. No! I was trusting him! Oh! Nope. He's in on it. He's in on it? Like, oh no! That's like finding out Alfred was secretly with the Joker. Like, that's, that's so upsetting. I'm like, ugh. It is, isn't it? All right, continue. Keep going. Indrani straddled an unconscious Sheena and began to strangle her unconscious daughter. She's already unconscious. Yeah, but Sheena woke up with the shock of the assault. And she fought. She fought valiantly against three very aggressive and determined killers. Sheena was murdered by Irani, her own mother. Someone who carried her for nine months inside her body, taking every care to make sure that she would be born safely, had now taken every measure to make sure that she would no longer be alive. To be fair, we don't know if she took every measure to make sure she was born safely. She might have been drinking and smoking while pregnant. Like, we don't know that. Oh, you know, good point. Good point. Good point. Now, strangling someone is incredibly difficult. It is very up close and personal. It's personal, yeah. It takes up to 7 to 8, sometimes 15 minutes to strangle someone because you pass out, then you wake up, you pass out, you wake up. It takes a lot of effort. Yeah, and you're like staring at them. That's like, that is some very intimate eye contact. Like that is a very intimate way to murder someone. And the killer has many many opportunities to rethink their decision and stop the assault. It isn't like shooting someone impulsively where it's pull the trigger and it's done. You can't, you can't think about it again. No, you can think about it many, many times while you're doing it. Indrani did not stop at all. 
she got the job done. Sheena was now dead. To establish a GPS trail from their phones, they still drove to Taj Land's End, where Indrani went in and then returned back in 15 minutes, probably having one drink or something. I don't know what she did inside, but she did go there. The crafty killers then drove straight to Peter's home in Marlow in Worley and parked the car in the garage, leaving Sheena in a bag in the car's trunk overnight. Now, remember that Mikhail had been summoned by Indrani to come see her in Mumbai? It was on this day. Of course it was. It was on this day. The difference between this time that Indrani had called Mikhail and the previous times was that Indrani didn't send him a ticket. She would always send him a ticket. She used to pay for his travel, but this time she didn't. And poor Mikhail, who had been scrounging around to make ends meet, had to borrow money from someone to be able to fly out to Mumbai. He was waiting at Peter's home upstairs. As the three of them walked into Peter's apartment, they looked a bit flustered and occupied and, you know, a bit out of it. And so Mikhail just sat in the living room waiting to see what he had been called for. Indrani and Kanna sat with him and started to make small talk while gently trying to ply him with very expensive alcohol. This time, though, Mikhail was older and wiser. Yeah. And alert. His gut told him something was off. He knows what Indrani is capable of. She has never shown him any sort of affection. He has always been a pawn that she has controlled from a distance. So he knew something was off. Yeah, I would never take alcohol from them. He remembered that instance six years ago when an identical situation had landed him in a psych hold for almost a whole year. Mikhail pretended to drink and discarded the alcohol into the planter when no one was looking. He still did drink a little bit, though, and he started to feel drowsy and nauseous. He immediately went to the bathroom and threw up everything, fearing that he had been drugged. Good for him. Indrani and Kanna suggested that he rest in the bedroom, which he accepted, but he did lock the bedroom and secure it so that they couldn't come in if he did pass out. At around 4 a.m., Indrani and the driver, Rai, took off to get rid of Sheena's body. Mikhail, who had pretended to go to sleep, was not asleep at all. He was awake and just worried. He wanted to get out of there, but he didn't want to come out of the room because he didn't know what's going to happen. Yeah. When he heard Indrani talk to Rai and say, let's leave, we got to go, we got to do something, and they leave, he hears the door close, he immediately got out of the room, called a cab, and went to the airport to fly out to Guwahati. He didn't tell anyone that he was leaving. He just got out of there. Good for him. And props to him because he saved his own life that night. Now, the driver, Rai and Indrani, picked up Sanjay Kanna from somewhere, and the trio drove outside of Mumbai for almost two hours to reach a desolate spot in the Raigarh Payne National Forest area. There are several police checks along India's highways, and while you may not be stopped at most checkpoints, there is a small chance that you might be, right? Cops can stop you at any point and be like, we want to search your car, show us your papers, blah, 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 whatever. They do this on and off. A body in a bag in the trunk, she can't explain. So what she does, she has the driver prop up Sheena's body between herself and Kanna in the backseat, as if she were sleeping. Oh, God. Oh, that's messed up. 
Indrani even applied makeup on Sheena's pale face to oh. make her look like she was still alive, just sleeping. That's messed up. Now, luck was by their side that day because nobody stopped them or saw them dispose of Sheena's body behind the grove of mango trees. They burnt Sheena's remains and drove back to Mumbai. Indrani started to create a whole story about how Sheena had decided to move to the U.S. for further studies and didn't want to be in touch with anyone from India for a while. Yeah, okay. Rahul, Sheena's fiancé, he was bewildered. He didn't know what was going on. Now, Indrani had used Sheena's phone to send him several messages throughout that evening, saying that she was having a great time at dinner, she was staying over with Indrani that night, and she would come home the next day. And then the next day, she messages in the morning to say, you know what, I'll come home in the evening. And then eventually in the evening, a weird message comes in, which says, I met someone else and I'm happily in love. He is very he is very wealthy. I'm sorry, Sheena. <laughs> that's how it happens. That's, I mean, that's exactly yeah. how love and, you know, breakups happen. 100%. Oh my God, I'm going to go like engagement tradition shopping with my mom. I'm so sorry. I met someone else. Like, And he's very wealthy. Who writes that? Who writes that? I think Indrani must have been a total like, sociopath or psychopath or something 100 oh, percent. she's thinking this information is enough like he's very wealthy so i'm leaving so obviously because i mean she would i think that's what it is i think she would have been like oh this guy is wealthier than my current husband well by current husband i'm gonna go for the wealthier guy it made sense in her head yeah she was like he'll get it because of course she'll leave him if the guy's wealthier like duh that's how the world works. You got more money, see ya, Rahul. No, that's not how it works, you psychopath. That is so messed up. <sighs> Poor Rahul. He went to the cops. And two constables came with him to question the guards at Peter's home. Because he went to Peter's home. He went to the CBI? No, he went to the local Mumbai police. Oh, that's not the same. You can't just go to the CBI. No, no, no. You don't go to the CBI. Is that like going to like the FBI here or the CIA? You can't just go to the FBI. They come in when they feel it's necessary. I'm sorry. So he goes He goes to the police. He goes to the police. He gets them to at least listen to him. And two constables came with him to question the security guards at Peter's home. Now, the guards had no information to give them. They were tight-lipped, frustrated, and worried sick. Rahul didn't believe that this was Sheena's decision to leave. So he kept badgering Indrani about Sheena's whereabouts. Two days later, Peter Mukherjee arrived in Mumbai from London and met with Rahul because Rahul's like, listen, dad, something's going on. Something's going on. Indrani met with Sheena and, oh now, and now she's gone. She's disappeared. Dad, I think your wife killed my fiance. He didn't think that. You know, no one wants to think the worst. Okay, well, dad, I think your wife did something to my fiance. Yes, that's what he thought. Yep. Okay, well, this is really especially creepy because right now my husband is leaving work to go get lunch with my father. And now it's like, oh, man, should I be worried? Don't kill each other. <laughs> like, is he going to come back? I'm going to get a text message from, from my husband that says, Katie, I'm so sorry. I met someone. I'm in love. She's wealthy. very wealthy. <laughs> She's very wealthy. <laughs> 
Sorry. Continue. This isn't funny. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. You know, a little levity helps keep us sane because these are very upsetting things. This is just so horrifying. Yeah, I think that's the problem. It's like, it's just, this is so unbelievably cruel and horrifying that it's like, the only way I know how to process it is by being like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Rahul and Peter talked and they were going back and forth about this whole situation. Now, Peter was trying to convince his son that he had been unceremoniously dumped by Sheena and that he should go on with his life. Peter! No, you're not in on it. Is Peter in on it? Like, come on. So Indrani told Peter to say this. No! Indrani had flown off to Kolkata after the body dump. For a couple days. Those two days, Indrani flies off to Kolkata with Sanjay Kanna. She now returned back to Mumbai. And along with Peter, she flew off to Goa, which is a beautiful, you know, vacation state in India. Well, I mean, murdering someone, that's a lot of work. You need a vacation after that. They went off for a planned vacation. Think about this. It's a planned vacation. You've killed someone. And now... You're going to relax on the beaches. Oh, I mean, you already cocktails. paid for your tickets. It could have been premeditated. It could have just been spur of the moment. Like, this is a great chance to murder my daughter for no reason. I mean, but I have to do it before Tuesday because my flight leaves at six. So. Yeah. Now, Rahul tried very hard to get the police involved and also to get a report filed. But he couldn't. He couldn't. The cops wouldn't take him seriously. Peter and Indrani kept insisting that they were working with the higher-ups at the police personally and that Rahul doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, well, f*** them. Like, I'm sorry. Like, why would he be listening to them? Why isn't he going to the police like, she is my fiancé, we were meant to be married? He is. He is going to the cops. They're not responding. Why is Peter and the psycho mom even, like, talking to Rahul about this? Like, I don't understand. Rahul's still going into the cops and trying to get them to take him seriously, but they're not. They're not responding. No. See, I'm telling you right now, little little tip. If my husband surprisingly disappears in any situation, everyone's a suspect. Yeah. I mean, you're a suspect. Everyone is a suspect. I will not trust anyone. Oh, it would be, I would 100%, mm-hmm. no, one, no one is safe. Everyone is a suspect. No one is safe. No one is safe. Corruption in India is a horrible disease that many in power suffer from gladly. Sometimes there just isn't much hope for justice. You have to bide your time and wait for the right moment and the right person to come along. Rahul's mother, Shabnam, came down to Mumbai and with the help of some of her contacts in the police, they managed to finally lodge a missing persons report for Sheena. Oh my gosh. Sheena's office... Reliance, they kept contacting Rahul and asking about Sheena because she hadn't officially resigned or anything, remember? From the cops' point of view, all right, you want to say that Rahul, like, hey, buddy, your wife left you, all right? We're not going to file a missing persons because here is the text, your wife left you. Fine, whatever. But if her job is like she hasn't reported in, she hasn't officially quit, wouldn't they take it seriously then? Like, wouldn't then it be like, oh, maybe she is missing? That's my question. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they were doing this because they didn't believe him. Oh, they were paid off. That's what you're saying? They were ignoring him because, yeah, because allegedly Mm -hmm. Indrani and Peter had contacts in the police. And they were told to kind of 
back off and just let this go. Rahul told Indrani all of this, right? Like when he's talking to her, he's talking to her several times a day. He's like, Indrani, where is she? Where is she now? It's fine if she wants to go away with someone else. I'm okay with that. I want her to be happy. But she has to do these things. She has to contact her job, send a resignation because they're worried. They're going to lodge a police complaint. So he's trying to use all of these mm. things to get Indrani to say where Sheena is because a couple days later, Reliance received Sheena's signed resignation letter. Oh, did they? All of a sudden, yeah. Now, Indrani had made her assistant, Kajal, forge Sheena's signature and mail in the resignation. She also made Kajal create a fake Hotmail ID for Sheena, and she took control of that account. Hotmail in 2012? Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> Indrani doesn't seem to be uh, with the times. Yeah, for a media person. Yeah. I had Gmail since 2006, I guess. I don't know. As, as a media person, she's, oh my gosh, Hotmail. Go on. Poor Kajal, okay? She was manipulated by Indrani again into doing all these things. She refused a, a lot, but Indrani threatened her. And she's like, you better do this or I'm going to fire you. Now, many emails were sent out from that Hotmail ID to sort out Sheena's affairs in Mumbai and to friends and family saying, I'm okay. I'm in the U.S. with a new boyfriend. I'm going to study here, blah, blah, blah. A lot of emails went out from that account. The wealthy boyfriend? The wealthy boyfriend. Yeah. Very He's wealthy. Very wealthy. Oh, my God. A fax with Sheena's signature had come in through Mikhail to terminate Sheena's rental agreement as well with her landlord. Now, look at this complex web of deceit. So she's not in the picture. It's a third person doing it, right? You're creating a layer between yourself and the victim. It's also sloppy because Mikhail and yeah. her assistant won't have the same signature for her. Like, that's sloppy work there, lady. Also, again, exhausting. Like, this web of lies is just too many. It is too big. She just wants to create confusion, Ugh. chaos. And now these two people, if something were to happen, right, they would lie. Because now they are... On the hook. Oh my gosh. They're going to lie now. So she's smart. She knows what she's doing. Rahul was sure Sheena had not gone willingly. He thought that perhaps Indrani had pressured Sheena to leave or even that she was holding her prisoner somewhere. He couldn't even imagine the possibility that his dear Sheena had been murdered. Rahul recorded many phone conversations with Indrani and Peter, like hours and hours of phone conversations which were used in court later to show the conflicting stories that Indrani kept. Well, she had court. to. Indrani would say, there's a guy she met. He's from Nagpur, which is another city. And then she kept mentioning Nagpur on and off as if it was a real thing. You know, you add elements to your story and then use it as if it's a legitimizer, as if it makes it all true. There's too many lies. There's too many lies to keep straight. Like, of course, her stories are going to differ. Oh, my gosh. There are clips of these phone conversations on YouTube if you want to listen to them. It's heartbreaking because you can hear the frustration and the pain in Rahul's voice as he's begging. Are they in English? Yes, they are mostly in English. I know this would shock you, but like, yeah, I do not 
speak any of the languages that they speak in India. Yeah, so let me send you a link. You can listen to this after this episode and get a feel for the horrible situation that Rahul was in. This I'm going to listen to it in the lobby of my doctor's office at my appointment later, and I'm going to be devastated. I'm going to go in. They'll be like, why is your blood pressure so high? And I'm going to be like, because it's so sad. <laughs> I don't know. Does being sad make your blood pressure high or low? Low? I think low. Yeah. If you're mad, it'll go high. If you're sad, it'll go low. So I think you're going to go be on a bit of a roller coaster ride with this. You check with them once and you please call me back so that for my own, because, you know, I don't want you to sit, sit there and, you know, just keep thinking of ideas that I'm hiding something from you because I'm not. No, I no, cannot no. give you any more I, information. I'm not, I'm, not thinking, I'm not thinking anything yet. I'm trying to find out what... I, you know, what to think yeah, about this Yeah, yeah. And, and the last, the, like I said, you know, Sheena had dropped Sheena at 9.15, or it could be 9.30, but I'm giving you the exact sequence of mm-hmm. events to you. Okay. From Amar Sands, we went past Royal China. Royal China, the shutter was down. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Notundas. Okay, I'm giving you the driver's name, Notundas. He looked at some rings and all that there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we went to Tarzan. Um, uh, she had one long line and iced tea mm-hmm. and one margarita. I had mm-hmm. two margaritas. There will be a time also when we take the bill. Okay, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not carrying the bill, but they will, you know, I mean, Tarzan's cameras, so they'll see what time we went in and what time we came out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sheena sent me a message when she left Tarzan's um, end, which is around 8.30. Okay in the evening on the 24th and that message was saying that she's on the way to Royal China for dinner right right? and um, and that's that love you XX and um, she basically just said just left Dodge Land's End on way to Royal China for dinner XX Um, now I phoned up Royal China and they were open on that night they they weren't closed Um, so so something has changed the plan between Dodge Land's End from heading towards Royal China, which is what Sheena obviously thought she was doing. And then now apparently right. apparently she was dropped off at Amar Sun's sort of an hour later, 9.30 or something. And what, right. what there's, there's just, uh, Papa, there's something going on. I'm sorry, this is not right. You know it as well. Anna, you know it. Rahul? Hi. Hi, hi. Okay, listen, so that yeah. you know nobody is confused, I'm just giving you the sequence of events, okay? Mm. Sheena came at 6.30 to Amar Sun's. Yeah. Okay, she bought a sari there. Okay. Okay, I bought her a sari because she wanted to buy a sari there. Okay. 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 So we bought a sari there and you know, I mean, I'm sure I'll have the receipt already. You can go and ask her. She tried on six, seven different saris. Okay. okay cool, cool. Out of that, she bought one sari. Yeah. A new sari, brand new sari with two blouse pieces, everything. Yeah. Okay. Then we went to a jeweler shop. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're post a jeweler shop, you know, when you cross a jeweler shop, you cross, uh, you know, when you go whatever to Taj Land's end, yeah. you go past Royal China. Yeah. Okay, so and she told me that latest, yeah, yeah. And yeah. not in that, yeah, that we need to, I need to be back in front of Amar Sons by 9.15, I need to be back, okay? Right. So at that point when we went, I said, fair enough, you know, if we have time, because we were both hungry also, if we have time, yeah. we will eat and... Your Royal China was shut at that point. Mm. Okay, so when we went and I tried calling the Royal China number also, it was shut. I mean, obviously because it was shut, nobody picked up. Mm. We went to Taj Lanzen. When we left Taj Lanzen, it was tentatively about, I don't know, tentatively. I mean, I'm just giving all mm. very, you know, because I have not kind of checked and looked at the watch every mm. minute or mm-hmm. anything, obviously, okay? Obviously. Must have been whatever, quarter to nine, nine, 
probably 9:15 i'm not, not sure but i was back home okay i was back mm-hmm. home by quarter to 10 okay. so from amar sans whatever time it takes to reach home it should not be more than half an hour yeah. which is why i was asleep because i had come i had a guest uh, mikhail who flew in from i'm just giving you who mm-hmm. flew in from outside okay, okay. who's a very dear friend of ours yeah now this friend was waiting because the house was locked i'm giving you a little bit of a background went to number 8 Yeah. downstairs yeah waited there so i went there got him you know and then he came up we got him then he was there he spent the night there at home okay this is such a roller coaster go ahead so 3 years pass by 3 years 3 years pass by nothing happens no one does anything the cops are they're insipid they've done nothing sheena had an online presence via that email But nobody has seen or heard from her in three. She years. kept an online presence for three years. Yeah. What was she posting? Just hey, I'm happy. I'm in college. I'm studying. I'm fine. Don't try to call me. I'll call you when I'm ready. That's what she was mailing. Oh my gosh. In 2015, three years later, an anonymous tip came in to the police that. Sheena had been missing and not seen or heard from by anyone in three years. And that the driver, Shyamwar Rai, was somehow involved in this disappearance. Now, I guess there must have been a shift in power at the political and law enforcement ranks because this time someone did look into it. Mm-hmm. The cops started to follow the driver, Shyamwar Rai. And on August 21, 2015... As he was suspiciously trying to throw something in the ocean, he was caught. Mm-hmm. The object that the driver was trying to throw into the ocean was a gun. What? Which Indrani had given to him during the murder. Yeah, yeah. So she gave him a gun. And he was trying to get rid of it. The driver, Rai, was interrogated thoroughly. And of course, I'm sure he was beat to a pulp by the cops. He literally didn't have much at stake so he revealed everything and everything about the murder that we have talked about so far comes from the driver. The gun seems unrelated. They didn't shoot her. Yeah, they didn't shoot her, but she did give him a gun. Yeah, but why? For I don't know what purpose. I don't know. So there might be another murder. I think they were trying to pin it on the brother. I think they were like that's why they were trying to get him drunk. They were like, "Are you going drunk?" Yep. "Are you going to look like he did it?" Yes, you are not very far from the truth. Oh, I'm good at this. The driver says that after the murder, Indrani fired him with three months' pay and asked him to get rid of the gun whenever he could. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so we're gonna let you go, but um, it's really important that you help us cover up this crime. So we're gonna give you incriminating mm-hmm. evidence, but also you're fired. So. And three months severance—that is amazing. That is an amazing severance package. Is it though? Is it? He did well. Once Rai started to talk and implicate Indrani and Sanjay Kanna in the murder, the Mumbai police started to gather evidence, and they moved swiftly to investigate. Oh my gosh! He showed them where they had dumped the body, and the discovery of the skeletal remains from 2012. Remember, by the guy who was following a trail of mangoes. picking apples weirdo yeah <laughs> that body discovery was connected to this case and formally identified the skeletal remains as Sheena Bora so you're saying 
the driver was like, I'll show you guys the body. And then they got there and there yeah. was no body because they had already been discovered like years before. So then he's like, I promise you the body was here. This is where we left it. And then and then what? The police went back and they were like, oh, you know what? I think there was a body discovered there years ago. Like, is that what went down? Okay. No, but close, close. So what happened back then is when the body was discovered in 2012, their medical examiner, whoever, the coroner, took samples of the bone and they reburied the body in that location, but under a different Why? Tree. Don't ask me why. <laughs> it makes no sense to me, but this is so what So they're, they're like, doing. all right, we can't identify her. We don't know who this Jane Doe is. You know what? Just yeah. put her back. Just put her back under there. Put her back. Did they do the wrong tree on purpose? Were they like, all right, we'll put her back. We're going to put her back under a different tree. Like, Or did they put like maybe like one of those hunting yeah. cameras up yeah. and they're like, all right, we're going to watch to see if anyone comes to visit the grave. Like, They absolutely do not care. It was an unknown person. No one had come looking for someone in that police uh, district. They didn't give a shit. I can't believe they just put her back under a tree. They don't care. Cremate the body. Yeah. It just seems like so much more work. To then try and be like, oh, okay, can you just go put the body back? Then it would be to say like, hey, just send no. the body to the crematorium. Like, I it just like that, that. Oh my god, it makes no sense. This is ridiculous. I can't. Oh my, I can't get over this. Sorry, I can't get over this. <laughs> Welcome to India. This is how things work there. There's literally just no rhyme or reason why they did this. I don't think this is standard procedure at all. There are allegations that they knew what they were doing and they were trying to cover it up. Like someone in the police station there was told about possibly finding a body there and that they had to ignore it. There are allegations. Okay, about so this. whatever, you ignore it and then you still send the body to the crematorium. Yeah. Go get cremated. Like I just I just yeah. feel like it's so weird to be like, ooh, can you guys just go put the body back? It is, isn't it? All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So the driver takes <sighs> the cop. They're stupid. To where they ditched the body. They had to dig at like three or four different locations because nobody remembered exactly where they put it. They had to dig like three or four times before they found the skeletal remains oh again. Goodness. And they took the remains for medical examination. And I didn't see the word DNA test or DNA verification in any report or news article. So I don't know how they confirmed that this was Sheena. I hope they did do it, but I didn't read about it. In a few months, Sanjay Khanna and Indrani were both arrested and in jail awaiting a trial. Evidence presented in court against them included the three pairs of new shoes that Indrani had bought for them to wear that evening, which were recovered from Sanjay Khanna's home in Kolkata. Of course, I would also give my former step-parent my shoes to hold on to. Do you not? What stupidity. They also found the second body bag, which Indrani had purchased, so that they could put Mikhail in it, as they had planned to murder him as well on that day. Where does one purchase a body bag? So it wasn't like a specific body bag, but it was a huge bag in which you could possibly fit a body. And they bought two because they needed to get rid of two individuals. Now, because Mikhail escaped, that bag was of no use to them. And so they gave it away to the housekeeper at Peter's home. And the cops recovered this bag from the housekeeper three years later. 
Uh, so we're not going to give you a bonus this year, but I mean, here's a body bag. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh my here. God. Here's a bag. And also there's a ton of cell phone data, which proves that they went to this place. And in fact, they had gone to this place a couple days earlier to recce it out. To what? They did a recce trip. What's a recce trip? When you go to check something out before you finally do something. Oh, like a recon? Yeah, recon. Oh, okay. They did a recon trip to that location before they went there for the final body dump. Now, Peter Mukherjee. Peter was also arrested and in jail for four years. But he was released on bail in March 2020. Wait, why was he arrested? So he was arrested for the conspiracy to kill Sheena. He was physically in London at that time when the murder took place. So cops find him. They're they're doing an investigation. They find out... And Johnny has like a body bag and stuff. And then, and, and then, and then what? They just start arresting people? Like, yep, they started arresting all of them. So they all were in jail within months, within a few months. The driver's in jail, and Johnny's in jail, Peter's in jail, the ex husband's in jail. Yes. Got it. They're all in jail. Got it. The driver is the one who's providing all the information. Okay. So he has turned approver. Yeah, I get it which means an informant or a a witness for the state, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He turned against them. He was in fear for his life and he requested for additional security because he was like, she'll get me killed. You better take care of me. And they did do that. They made sure he had extra security. Oh, I thought you meant, and they did. They did kill him. Like, oh, okay. No, they didn't kill him. (laughs) He's alive. And because Peter Mukherjee was physically in London that day and not in Mumbai doing this himself physically nah. in person, he, he is still charged with the conspiracy of it all. But he was given bail because, remember, he is the biggest... Yeah, media person. No, 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 no. But was he charged with, like, uh, conspiracy after the fact or conspiracy? But, like, did he know that his wife was bumming around with her ex-husband plotting to kill her daughter? Or was it like, hey, honey, while I was bumming yeah. around with my ex-husband, I killed my daughter. So, like, can you just tell your son that his fiance ran away, please? Like, was mm. it after the fact, con- like, conspiracy after the fact or was it, like, before? Yeah. I think he I think he has been charged with being in on it right Ugh, from the start. What is wrong with these people? We don't know if he was guilty or not. We really mm-hmm. don't know. Now the motivation for why he would be into this plan, right? Why would he want to kill Sheena? He doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't have that personal whatever history ah. or their narcissism or whatever it is. Now the motivation is obviously, oh, obviously. the immense wealth that they embezzled, right? Him and Indrani embezzled those 900 crores together. It's possibly $100 million. And they parked it in Sheena's account in Singapore together. This is not something Indrani did. She helped to do it. But it's not her doing her It's always about money. All alone. Now, I'm guessing maybe some of it was money laundering for powerful, shady corps related to the underworld or something, right? Like, you wouldn't just get up one day and say, let's embezzle a hundred million dollars let's just do it oh some people do some people are like oh you know what it'd be really easy it's like that guy (laughs) who stole a penny like do you remember the you remember that when like some guy stole a penny like a penny a day it was like he like he found there was like an accounting like a rounding error or something so he just had it go into like his account he just set it up so like oh yeah i'll just take this penny and he ended up stealing like oh like office space and it like embezzled a bunch (laughs) 
I mean, that's smart. You didn't have to do anything. It just He just rounded it off. But in this case, they had to do a lot to go through this. They had to bribe the shit out of politicians to let them bring in all that foreign investment into India. Right? This is money laundering. Oh, right, 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 right. That's right. You did say there was rules around foreign... Right. Sorry, go ahead. And so to take up such a risky endeavor, I mean, sure, maybe they did plan the whole thing, but possibly they were working with some other parties to do this, to bring that money inside of India legitimately. And maybe they wanted to access that money now and they couldn't. They couldn't, right? Because Sheena wasn't cooperating with them. Well, then really she brought it on herself. Like, oh my gosh. Like, that's so messed up. Mm -hmm. Indrani was furious about this situation and she decided to just get rid of the problem altogether because if there's an account in someone's name and they pass away the nominees will get a hold of that account and I'm sure she was the nominee I was gonna say like were they like the beneficiaries of this account like I'm sure they were because they set up that account so I'm pretty sure they were the beneficiaries messed up now we are just speculating all of this stuff these are not facts reported anywhere Like I said earlier, there is an ongoing investigation on this whole embezzlement angle by the Enforcement Directorate of India, and we're just waiting to see. Oh, not the murder, just the embezzlement. No, the murder investigation is also ongoing. It's still going on. Is that still going on? Yes. I mean, yeah, cases take decades in India to prosecute. So is this woman just like out and about? Is she going to come like track us down and be like, uh, you guys said some mean things about me? Like, what? (laughs) They're all in jail. So we're fine. We're fine. So hold on. You're saying they're all in jail, but the trial's not over. So they've just been held for like, it's it's 20, it's 2021. They've been held for how many years? Yeah. Yes. It's called custodial um, remand. Like you can be, you can be put in jail while your trial is underway or they're preparing for the trial. I'm sorry. I don't want to be the like rooster from Futurama that's like, I don't agree with you, but I'll fight for your right. But like, no, but that happens here too. That well, happens not here for too. Years. Like they can't hold you for years without a trial. I think they do. They do. It depends on the type of crime. I think for murder, they do hold you. They don't have to let you go. So initially, before you are charged with a crime, there is a small period where they can hold you for questioning, but they have to let you go. Once you are officially charged with the crime, right, you can be arrested on certain charges. They have to have evidence for those charges to be levied on you. But once you are charged, you can be held. So till your trial begins, right? That that happens everywhere. I thought there had to be like a limit on when the trial takes place. No. There's no limit. I feel like there are laws against that in, in the U.S. I should have probably asked some lawyer if there is a limit on that. It's, it's possible that maybe there they do say 10 years. That's it. 10 years you'll be out. I work with lawyers. So uh, Indian lawyers? Not Indian lawyers, but American lawyers. I'm talking about the U.S. right now. In India, I just take your word for it. That's just happening. But in the U.S., I, I'm going to send them a, like a random email. Excuse me, Jeffrey. How long can a person be held before their trial in the U.S.? He's going to be like, why are you asking? Be like, "Uh, just hypothetically, if I murdered somebody, could I be held for 15 (laughs) years before my trial started? This is just a random shower thought. You know, no, no, nothing. Shower thought, Jeffrey. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just uh, just, uh, answer my question. I, I will get back to you. I will let you know what he says. All right. So Peter was the only one who got bailed. Mm -hmm. He got out last year. 
And these days he relaxes in his upscale home, tending to his herb garden on the terrace and writing books about fond memories of his life as he awaits the trial to begin. His son Rahul actually uh, advocates for his innocence and he doesn't believe that Peter was originally involved in this whole plan. He believes that Indrani manipulated him after the fact to lie to Rahul because she made up a whole story about where Sheena was and what happened to her. So Rahul believes in the innocence of his father. I wouldn't put it past her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like knowing Indrani, we, we can assume that she probably did that. We don't know the truth. Indrani has been in jail since 2015 and she has appealed for bail five times now and has been denied by the courts every single time. Rightfully so, as she has shown a propensity to lie and deceive and evade law enforcement. So they're like, no. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, no, you're a flight risk. Yeah. Yeah. We're never going to see you again. So you're sitting in jail. Her life in jail is a far cry from the life of the super rich South Mumbai life that she once lived. She had to trade in her Egyptian cotton sheets and fluffy beds for a thin sheet and a hard concrete floor as a bed. She prefers to keep to herself and is translating the Hindu Bhagavad Gita into English, which she hopes to publish one day. Just in time enlightenment in jail. Okay. Um, Indrani, I hate to break it to you, uh, this translation bit, it's been done already several times, okay? <laughs> I was going to say, like, uh, has it been translated? Um, hold on. So is she pleading innocent? Yes, she's pleading innocence. She has claimed many times that other people have killed Sheena. She at one time said that Raul is the one who knows where Sheena is because he was in contact with her. Um, He was sending messages to her, so he knows where she is. I mean, she's just, I don't know what the, how dumb she thinks everyone else is. Oh my gosh. We don't have a resolution at this time for this crime. So in India, do you guys have a jury, like a jury of your peers? No. No. You don't don't have a jury system in India. No, no, no. Can you imagine a jury system in India? Whoa, come on. You wouldn't have one fair trial, not even one. Every single trial would be full of bribes. Who who makes the decision? The judge. So the judge is judge, jury, and executioner? Like, I don't, like, oh my gosh. How is that not rigged? I think it's easier to scrutinize one judge than 12 random people off the street. That you can easily bribe with, like, maybe hundreds of rupees. What? But it, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is, if that one judge is super biased mm-hmm. or has already made up his opinion before the court happens, then how is that fair? No, but the judge system is in the U.S. as well, right? The judge system. The judge is in the doesn't US decide. Well. That that's the thing. That's the no. So the decision to have a jury or not lies with the defense. They choose what they want. No, the judge does not decide if someone is guilty or not. The judge does. If the defense chooses to have a bench trial, if the defense chooses to have just a judge instead of a jury, but nobody does because it's easier to confuse 12 normal people. And you can't do that with one very educated and experienced judge. Have you ever seen 12 Angry Men? I have, yeah. There has to be a unanimous decision. 
I'm sorry. We're going to have a special episode. I'll save it. Back to the thing. Get back to her. I read so many like legal, I mean, of course, fiction, but legal books in the past that I'm pretty sure about this, that you're basically a lawyer. I'm basically a lawyer. Yes, I'm an armchair lawyer. And (laughs) I'm pretty sure you do have cases where the judge decides the final verdict in the US as well. I'm gonna Google this. I'm Googling it. Hold on. Bench trial versus jury trial. I told you I'm practically a lawyer. I know these things. (laughs) You're basically a lawyer. I am basically a detective and a lawyer. You're the whole package. You're the you're everything. Okay. So what do you think, Katie? You think she's guilty? What do you think so far? I mean, she sounds pretty guilty, yeah. I've I've bitched and moaned and whined and cursed her in the entire episode. So there is a bias in the way that I've told the story. But if you just take everything at face value. 100%. That's why I was bringing up the jury thing. Because it's like, yeah. you know, like you are 100% part of the problem right now. When <laughs> media just decides someone's guilt or not like Mm -hmm. mm -mm, you're swaying that judge's decision right now that judge is gonna be like i listened to crimes against the east and oh man she (laughs) is guilty don't even bother presenting your case and and you're right so the media did vilify her a lot for all the wrong reasons they vilified the part about her being married three times and her being a young mother and the fact that she was using, you know, her husbands to further her business and whatnot. And these are just normal things people do. It has nothing to do with the crime and and the murder itself, right? I don't think it's necessarily that people are judging her for trying to raise her status. I think it's the way she went about it. Because even if a guy went mm. about it the same way that she did, it would also be like, He's an asshole. Like, he is an awful person. And he is also a bad parent. Like, I think it's... And if Sheena was alive today, if she was fine and everything, then, yeah, sure. Yes, These whatever. are things just, that anyone yeah. would care about. No one would care about it. But But because this crime has happened and someone has lost their lives, now we're kind of going in and dissecting every single thing that she did and bringing it out in the open. Well, it's character assassination. And I don't support her one bit. I mean, (laughs) I think she's a bitch. I think she is guilty. I think she should be tried for her crime and given a punishment, you know, appropriate for that crime. She's trying to blame someone else for planning it or doing the embezzlement, whatever. doesn't matter. You're the one whose fingers were around Sheena's neck. According to the driver. According to the driver. So you should pay for the price for that. And of course, it is kind of circumstantial, right? There isn't, her fingerprints aren't on any kind of murder weapon. There's circumstantial evidence. So I hope that the prosecution can nail her. Here you go, prosecution. I'm giving it to you right now. Um, Let's look at it this way. Devil's advocate up in here. Okay, so bad mom? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Shady business practices? Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Did she murder her daughter? Well, the only word we have is a disgruntled former employee who claims that she did this. Uh, We also have, I mean, did her ex-husband ever come forward? What is this physical evidence? We have some physical evidence, right? Um, They have those three pairs of shoes 
that they wore that night. Okay. Those shoes have mud or whatever from the body dump site. So when they build cases like this, motivation or motive is the driving factor. And here we do have that embezzlement as the driving factor. They were under pressure to access that money. But just because you have motive does not mean you did it. They have the circumstantial evidence. They have testimony from the driver. They have cell phone data. That they were under that tree? Yes, that they were in that area. Mm -hmm. All three of them. I'm not saying she wasn't there. What I'm saying is you can't prove that she was the one who murdered her. You cannot prove that she was the one who strangled her. Mm -hmm. For all we know, the mom was also drugged. And then like when the mom came to, they were like, and what if they were trying to like yeah. embezzle the mom? There's so many different angles you can take with this where it's like suddenly it's like, oh, snap. When you look at it through this lens, it totally wasn't yeah. the mom and not the mom's fault. I'm just saying you have no actual proof. There's so many cases with even less evidence than this where they have been convicted for similar crimes. So it's up to the judge. Oh, my gosh. I guess, you know, circumstantial evidence does work sometimes. So I hope she gets a fair trial. To be clear, I definitely want Sheena's murderer found, and I want whoever murdered her, I want them found. And, like, this is really messed up, and it should be investigated completely. We better be sure of who we convict. Especially when you start to get into, like, life sentences and the death penalty and all of that. How many people have been falsely put away for life sentences, and how many people have been killed because of the death sentence, and then, like, turns out they were innocent. Like, it's it's astonishing. This is not likely to bring a death penalty upon her because India has, they do have the death penalty over there, but it's only awarded to the rarest of rare cases. So this is not, yeah, yeah, this is not one of those rarest of rare cases. So she'll probably just get a life sentence. My gut says she is guilty. And at this point, that's all we really have to go on. Yeah, your gut. All we have to go on is your gut. (laughs) Remember, I'm a detective. Hello. Yes. Uh, And the lawyer. Don't sell yourself short. We do have a very short Bollywood corner today. Um, There is a very poorly made movie on this case. It's called Dark Chocolate. Yes, it's called Dark Chocolate. Dark Chocolate. Um, And it's terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. So please only watch it if you have nothing else to do. I don't recommend it one bit. I'm just mentioning it here because it does exist. I couldn't think of a movie that was as shitty and upsetting as this story is about, you know, a horrible, evil villainess of a mom. So I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to recommend a movie about a wonderful mom, an amazing mom who goes to the depths of hell and puts her own life on the line for her daughter. And that movie is simply called Mom. It's a movie from 2017. It's a Hindi language movie. It is available on Netflix, I think, or on Prime. The lead actress in that movie is Sri Devi. Unfortunately, she passed away under very mysterious circumstances a couple years ago. And Interesting. She did a phenomenal job in this movie. Um, she has a daughter who's a teenager and going through that rebellious period where, you know, oh, mom, leave me alone. You don't understand me, blah, blah, blah. But then a devastating event takes place in her life at a party and... The rest of the story is kind of just amazing. It's a movie about vengeance and justice outside of the legal boundary. Because when you look for justice, you don't always find it like we've seen in so many cases. That is true. 
Mm-hmm. And so this mom takes things into her own hands for the sake of her daughter. I highly recommend this movie. It's very satisfying to watch. Upsetting as well, but satisfying to watch. Yes, she did it. She got him. Take a look. It's called Mom, and it's from 2017. And I think that's about all we have time for today. We've really gone over the time. Yeah, we have. So sorry about that. You can cut most of our arguments. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will. I like arguing about the court system. No, that's okay. Some stories are just so complex and have so many layers that it's not possible to just say it in a few words. You have to kind of go back and forth and explore and dissect the generally presented facts to see if you can get to the bottom of it. And that's kind of what we did here today. I hope you're not too upset and that your blood pressure stays (gasps) normal and you don't, you know, come up with false diagnoses because of this episode today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Take care, Katie. And we will see you guys soon in probably a couple weeks on another episode of Crimes from the East, your true crime podcast with a little masala and spice. Spice. Namaste. You want to say bye, Katie? Oh, no. I mean, I'm mad now.